Six o'clock here on uh, this Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, JM in the AM, and this is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. This is ZK, Chief Engineer, Zalman Kopel here at the Nachum Siegel Network, and I am here um, sitting in for Nachum Siegel for hour number one. Nachum will be joining us to Meretz Hashem at seven o'clock, um, and uh, no worries, we will feature uh, Malcolm Holmline with the weekly update coming up later today, this morning that is, and uh, of course Rabbi uh, Yudin and all the other f- great features uh, that uh, are on here on Jamin, Jamin, <coughs> excuse me, Jamin AM every Friday morning. Uh, like I said, it's a Friday morning, our shop is Parsha Shemos, candle landing at 441. And um, we are going to continue with more great Jewish music. If you want to reach us here uh, today, if you want to reach me in the studio, it's zk at nachomsegel.com. It's zk at nachomsegel.com. Or, uh, yeah, comment on one of our great apps. If you tune in on our app system, uh, you can comment, uh, <coughs> comment on the app system to uh, reach us here on uh, this morning here at JM in the AM. Here is Ohad.
It was Oh, oh, oh. 
uh, Benny Freeman with Joy is in the Air. And, well, yes, we'll be hearing the uh, the uh, Journeys version of that uh, last song you heard uh, during that segment of Benny Freeman's uh, Chavez mix over there. Um, that'll be coming up, of course, before 9 o'clock this morning. Uh, we heard Schleimi uh, Gertner with Shabbos Hayom, Yaakov Shweki with Raoul Badim. Schlockrock with Bring Back That Shabbos Feeling. Country Yessi and the Stiebelhoppers, surprise, um, with uh, Shabbos Guy. And Ohad with uh, Lamelech Regesh opening up Modani here on this Friday morning air of Shabbos. JM in the aim at ZK Zalman Kopel, Chief Engineer here at the Nachum Single Network. Sitting in for Nachum uh, for hour number one. Nachum will be joining us uh, hopefully at 7 a.m. And uh, no worries, we will feature this uh, the weekly update with Malcolm Homeline, Rabbi Benjamin Unum coming up, of course, with the Torah portion of the week. And, um, of course, coming up at 9 a.m. this morning, we have Table for Two with Naomi Nachman, a brand new edition that's coming up at 9 o'clock here on... NSN, and of course the Erev Shabbos Music Mix, brought to you by our friends at Kedem, and at uh, 12 noon, Mark Zamek has the Erev Shabbat Live Lunch, you don't want to miss that, great new uh, program added here, every Erev Shabbat, Friday mornings at 12 noon, <coughs> excuse me, 12 noon <laughs> Eastern Time. Here on NSN. Okay, um, again, if you want to reach me here in our studios, it's zk at nachumsegel.com. Comment on one of our great apps. And uh, like I said, Nachum Siegel will be uh, joining us at 7 o'clock. So uh, stay tuned. <laughs> All right, we are going to continue with a great selection from Dudu, Dudu Fisher, of course. This is a great selection called Never on Friday, you are tuned to JM in the AM. Gladly sing for you on Sunday, on Monday, on Tuesday, enjoying every tune. On Wednesdays, Martinez, or Thursday, on Friday, yes, Friday, but early afternoon. On Saturday night after Shabbos, you'll see me performing a show of sing-along. On Friday night, I'm with my family together. On Friday, we sing this Shabbos song. Shabbos prayer. We light the candles, we bless the wine and challah, and when we greet the angels, there's music in the air. And when we come back from the synagogue on Friday night, we sing Shalom Aleichem, Malachi Yash. 
Come back from the synagogue, we sit around the table and we sing.
there's a place in your heart deep within known as the Kodesh HaKodoshim There's an altar there with a heavenly fire burning That's why we're always yearning That's why we're all returning So don't play with fire
yet I know It's only weak till I can sing these songs again So I take it with me every day Till Shabbos comes and I can say Come join with me, my friends When I'm running all I Aria Kunstler here on the uh, here on JM and the AM. I'm just going to say the Tuesday Live Lunch, which I usually host every Tuesday here on NSN. And uh, yeah, the big news is, is Aria will be featured uh, in our Kosher Halftime Show uh, coming up. And I believe we'll be recording that next Motzei Shabbat, uh, the 28th, in the Five Towns. More details about that when uh, Nachum joins me shortly. Um, before that, we heard from Lipa. We heard Noida. He featured at selection on last year's Kosher Halftime Show. Thought uh, it would be cool to play those back-to-back. Havram Fried, Playing with Fire, Michal Przanski, Simchat Chatanim, Baruch Levine, Uferatsta, and uh, Dudu with Never on Friday. It is a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parsha Shemos. Candle lighting at 4.41 here in the uh, New York, New Jersey tri-state area. Uh, yes, Shabbos is getting a little later now these days. Or Hashem. <laughs> I don't do good with early Shabbos. It's Vishvamir, uh, as we say. I can't, I can't remember the last time I made in the summer an early Shabbos. It's been that long. Um, you know, Friday is a busy day no matter how late Shabbos starts. <laughs> Uh, that's the way it ha- you know, goes with the Coppell family, at least. And, okay, it's, uh, yeah, just about 7 o'clock, and it's time for me to remind you that you are tuned to America's Most Listened to Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio Program. Heard on listen to sponsored digital radio, and, uh, heard on the NachumSequel.com, NSN app, and, um... You can reach me here in the studio at zk at nachumsegel.com, zk at nachumsegel.com. A lot of people commenting on our app this morning. A lot of people, a lot of listeners are excited about the big transition today. <laughs> Trump is going to be uh, taking office. Everybody's very excited about the big transition. Um, one listener wants me to play David Lowy. Uh, and I don't know if we'll be able to get to that selection. I actually looked for that Feynode um, Mavaldo. I didn't don't think I have it in my system here, but if I'm if, I, if I'm able to pull it out somewhere, I will definitely get to it. Uh, my good friend Aaron Brody checking in with us. Good to hear from you, Aaron. I'm glad your kids are enjoying uh, all the great music this morning. Um, listener Joe checking in with us. Great show. Our good friend Yaakov Orbach checking in with us. Let's me give a shout out to all the uh, people at Human Care Services. 
especially to Shalom Reif and Nassan Schloss, Moshe Loeb, and all the uh, other great staff at Human Care and Akinar David. So there you have it. Um, yeah, you can comment on our app. Let us know uh, what's happening. It's the NSN app. If you haven't downloaded it yet, if you're tuned to into us on our homepage and you're going to be on the go, that is the way to tune into us. Just uh, go to your app store. Just type in a magic name, Nahum Siegel, and an ace. Excuse me. There we go. Oh, my mic is crackling out there for a second. I'm sorry. Uh, old board we have here in our uh, auxiliary studio. Uh, it's um. What was I going to say? Yes, you could go to uh, the uh, the uh, app store and type in Nahum Siegel. The magic name N A C H U M S E G A L, and you'll see it. Yes, there will be a um, a, a weekly update coming up. One listener uh, just asked me on the app over here. Rest assured, Malcolm Holmline will be joining Nachum at uh, seven forty-five. So uh, no worries, uh, Nachum will be joining us shortly. And in the meantime, I will be continuing playing your favorite Jewish music. And some great Erev Shabbos music as well. So keep it here to uh, JM and AM, the Nachum Siegel Network. Coming up, of course, at 9 o'clock, it's a brand new edition of Table for Two with Naomi Nachman. You don't want to miss that. It's going to be uh, 9 a.m. right here. And then f- uh, at 10 o'clock, we will be featuring our Erev Shabbos music mix brought to you by our friends at Kedem, followed by... Our Erev Shabbat live lunch with our very own music producer, Mark Zamek. And that's a new program added here at NSN. And uh, that will be featured at 12 noon Eastern time here on the Nachum Siegel Network. So lots of great programming coming up. Uh, okay, it is three minutes past 7 a.m. I'm going to check in with the boss, see uh, when he's going to be joining us here. And uh, much, much more. Here is David Lowy, a different um, selection than the one that the, the listener uh, requested. This is Ata Imadi, and here is uh, yeah David Lowy. This is JM in the AM. <laughs>
There we go. <laughs> Here on JM in the AM. Uh, that is Feel the Music. And we heard Barry Weber with Lechi. Great Shabbos selection for you here. It is Er Shabbos Parsha Shemos. Candle lighting at 441, 441. 
And um, I believe we have right now on the telephone uh, our very own Nachum Sigala. Nachum, you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, ZK. That's quite an introduction. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and you always you always play the people's music. I love that. You know, I I sometimes play music you know directed at specific people. But you're always playing the people's music, I must say, and a lot of people appreciate that. So congratulations again on starting off an amazing Jam and AM program, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, we have a lot going on this morning. Um, plenty to talk about. There is a, There will be a weekly update. Uh, ZK was surprised to hear. Uh, I, I was a little surprised myself because I wasn't sure where we would end up last night. Um, uh, that we are in, uh, at the moment, we are in Greensboro, North Carolina. That's where we are in Greensboro, North Carolina. So now we could say that the app, of course, was heard in Greensboro, North Carolina for at least one time. But I have a feeling, knowing the way people access our app, that it's been heard here many, many times. And uh, as I mentioned, we are planning on spending Shabbos in Charlotte, North Carolina. Anybody out there who knows um, Rabbi Oppenheim and the uh, Charlotte Torah Center, I believe it's called, um, would be familiar with the area, and that's where we plan on spending an interesting Shabbat, uh, getting away during this uh, yeshiva break, and um, I'll report back to everybody on how that goes. So that's our that's our um, location at the moment, uh, doing JM and the AM, both from Brooklyn, where ZK is, and from Greensboro, North Carolina, uh, hoping to spend Shabbos in Charlotte. And I want to thank in advance uh, people like um, Mayor Weingarten, and um, and uh, Matis Weingast, and uh, of course ZK, I'm sure, and of Rummy and others who are going to be helping out uh, behind the scenes because um, uh, they'll be taking care of a Monday and Tuesday jam in the AM, and I hope to be back uh, in the saddle on Wednesday morning, both with the bonus JM before six o'clock and with JM in the AM beginning at six AM. It is in fact the Arab Shabbos Parsha Shmos with candle lighting at four forty one. Well Bench Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh Shvat is next Shabbos. Rosh Chodesh Shvat is next Shabbos. And our weekly update with Malcolm Holmline will be coming up. ZK again is going to be working his magic and connecting all of us. And at about seven forty this morning we'll begin a weekly update on inauguration day here in the United States. Uh, last night we drove through um the Baltimore, Washington, Virginia area and just based on all the notices that were uh, flashing on the screens on the roads down, they are expecting a real gridlock, as you can imagine, in Washington today. And um, I know the HOV lanes have been completely sealed off uh, so that uh, those who usually uh, use the HOV lanes around Washington, we saw that, um, that they will not be able to access them today. Obviously, those are being reserved, I guess, for VIPs and those with permission, uh, public officials and, uh, and emergency personnel. And um, on this inauguration day, when a new president of the United States will be installed and inaugurated at 12 noon, we'll speak with Malcolm Holmline, get his feelings on that, and obviously about the rest of the news of the day and of the week as well, as you can imagine, which we do every single week here at JMAM. So I'll be coming up later this hour. I encourage everybody to stay tuned in as we'll get to that segment and start talking about some of the issues of the week. Also, a, uh, a a big, big, big reminder for our listenership that the uh, Kosher Halftime Show is going to be recorded a week from tomorrow night. I'm sure ZK is ready for this. A week from tomorrow night, it's going to be happening at Courtside Grill, which is on Central Avenue in Cedarhurst. We're going to be there starting at 9 p.m. That's the official start of our recording. But, of course, 
will be there way before, and we encourage those who want a table and want to attend the historic fourth annual Kosher Halftime Show um, that you go ahead and uh, and uh, get get to the um, get to the courtside grill as early as early as you can. Um, wanna, there are a lot of special shout outs, a lot of great sponsors and wonderful people that are behind the, uh, uh, the kosher halftime show. And I just want to acknowledge the most recent one. And that is the, uh, amazing people at Abel's and Hyman who are responsible for a whole host of delicious kosher meat. And they've been with us during the kosher halftime show before Seth Levitt and his uh, wonderful company. And they're going to help us uh, once we get to Super Bowl week, they're going to help us build up uh, to the big day, which is February 5th. When at 8 p.m. that night we make our 8 p.m. Eastern time, we make our uh, Super Bowl, or I should say, kosher halftime show more accurately, kosher halftime show available to the public. The uh, the show is being done, of course, by Aryeh Kunstler. This has been a big topic of conversation both during JM and AM and during our other programming. Aryeh Kunstler is going to be doing the kosher halftime show, so we are very, very much looking forward to it, and it should be a tremendous production as it always is. Um, I wanted to acknowledge, we were asked to uh, mention that uh, there's an event that's happening this weekend that brings together thousands of students who are spending a year in Israel. Every year, Kedma and Yeshiva University bring together thousands of like-minded, independent, and growth-oriented women for the Songs of Hope Choir Competition. It's a night of hope, empowerment, and electricity where young men and future community leaders, where young women, rather, and future community leaders have a chance to express themselves and showcase the talents that they have to all their peers where they see the power of numbers and how just a simple melody can inspire so many to do so much good. And this competition is happening tomorrow night at the uh, Ramada Renaissance in uh, in Jerusalem, starting at 7.30 p.m. in Yerushalayim. So I wanted to acknowledge the um, uh, the work of the um, uh, Songs of Hope Interseminary Choir Competition that is happening in Israel tomorrow night and wish them the best of luck with that event. Um, so we have the uh, weekly update coming up, of course, at 9 o'clock this morning, Naomi Nachman and a, a brand-new edition of Table for Two, starting at 9 o'clock until 10. Don't forget that we have an amazing Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix. It's going to be happening all through the day, including a live lunch with Mark Zamek happening at 12 noon Eastern time. So we encourage everybody, whether you're on vacation or not, to utilize our incredible network as the soundtrack for your Arab Shabbos with the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix. And that'll be going on all the way until candle lighting time. And, of course, our amazing weekend programming, which includes Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami Matis, who this week will not only be doing JM Sunday, but you'll hear him, hear him on Monday morning as well during JM in the AM. And his JM Sunday begins, our JM Sunday, hosted by Matis, begins at 7 a.m. Eastern time on the Nahum Siegel Network um, every single Sunday morning. So we're going to go back to the music. ZK is behind the board. He'll be uh, arranging for... Uh, for both me and Malcolm Honeline to be able to speak to every, everybody coming up. And um, uh, once uh, that conversation concludes, we'll go to Rabbi Yudin and his words about Parsha Shmos. And uh, obviously, JMDM will continue until 9 a.m. Eastern time. So plenty more coming up. If you keep it here at JMDM, you are listening to the Nahum Siegel Network. Oh my God, 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 oh my God
uh, that was Yaeli Greenfeld with Zeth for you here on this morning's JM and AM. Shimon Kramer with Nechstafa. And Schwebel Sharp and Levine with Curry Bone. It is Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Parsha Shemos, candle lighting at 4.41. ZK Zalman Kopel, chief engineer here at the Nachum Siegel Network. And uh, Nachum Siegel will be joining us once again shortly with the weekly update. Yes, there will be a weekly update for all of those uh, listeners who are concerned. <laughs> there will be a, a weekly update coming up on uh, this inauguration day. Yes, a very exciting day for us here in the U.S., and um, Malcolm will be joining Nachum in about eight minutes or so. So sit tight, and um, we'll get them on the air shortly. Hello to our general manager, Miriam L. Wallach, who's tuned in, commenting on our great app. And yes, I'm glad that uh, Alexa is tuning, uh, listening to us once again. <laughs> and um, we're talking about the Alexa, the Echo thing from uh, Amazon. If you have one of those, you know, just tell her to tune into the Nachum Siegel Network, and uh, you will be able to tune into us uh, that that method as well these days. So uh, if you have one, if you have Alexa in your house somewhere, just tell them to tune in to the Nachum. Tell her to tune into the Nachum Siegel Network. There you have it. Uh, I'll try that out uh, after JMDM uh, because I'm stuck here at the board till then. Um, all right. So, yeah, coming up at nine o'clock, it's Table for Two with Naomi Nachman, a uh, brand new edition. She's going to be featuring some great stuff, including, um, Snaps from Lakewood, New Jersey. They're going to be in the studio featuring a whole bunch of great stuff. That's going to be happening at 9 a.m. this morning, uh, right after her JM and the AM here. And, uh, followed by the Arab Shabbos Music Mix, brought to you by our friends at Kedem. Followed by the Erev Shabbat Live Lunch with our very own music producer, Mark Zamek. So uh, you don't want to miss that great program. Just added a few weeks ago, and uh, I urge everybody to tune in to the Erev Shabbat Live Lunch, 12 noon Eastern Time here on NSN. Okay, we're going to go to uh, this one selection here, and uh, then hopefully we will have... Nachum and Malcolm uh, ready to go with the weekly update. This is a Friday morning's JM in the AM. This is a very appropriate song for today. Here is Yachmiel Begun and the Miami Boys Choir.
Yerachmiel began and the Miami Boys Choir with its Min HaShemayim. And, uh, yes, very good song for today. And I believe we are ready with Nachum and uh, Malcolm. Are you guys there? Yeah, we're ready. Uh, JM and the AM on this on this Friday morning. I thank you, ZK, on this Erev Shabbos Parsha Shmos. Candle lighting at 441. We will bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Shvat will be next Shabbos. And we do have a big weekly update in just a moment. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue enthusiastically recommend our incredible network to all of their hundreds of thousands of readers. If you want amazing and incredible articles um, about Israel and the Jewish world to print out before Shabbos, you go to jewishworldreview.com and enjoy. And, of course, a big thank you to our friends at onlysimchas.com, who beyond all the incredible Simcha news have an incredible and wonderful feed of Jewish news, especially very good Jewish news very often uh, from around the world, and they are continuously utilizing our content in their news feed. I thank our friends at onlysimchas.com. It's Inauguration Day, of course, in the United States. Plenty to talk about. Weekly update in just a moment. A reminder that I am in Greensboro, North Carolina. And I want to extend a big thank you to Rabbi Oppenheim and his family in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we're going to be spending Shabbos in Charlotte, North Carolina. A very interesting journey last evening uh, as we passed through uh, Maryland, Washington, Virginia. And in many ways, as we passed uh, by Washington, saw the preparations that were going on for the big inauguration day today that will attract a million visitors to uh, Washington, D.C., a very big day of transition that's set to uh, happen just about uh, four-plus hours from now. I also remind you that we have amazing programming all through the weekend with Saturday Night Seagull happening tomorrow night with Avrami and the uh, JM Sunday with Matis on Sunday morning. Plus, we have a full day uh, today on our network, including a live lunch for an Erev Shabbos done by Mark Zamek, part of our Kedem presentation of the Erev Shabbos music mix. On this January 20th, Inauguration Day in the United States, uh, we welcome for the weekly update Malcolm Honline, who's Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, and joins us for the weekly update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you. It's good to be back with you. It'd be good to be A back lot. here. Oh, that's right. Welcome back. Last week, of course, in Israel. Um, well, there are many people who are curious about your impressions as we're just hours away from a new president. Let, let's begin with this as you, as you, um, as we start to explore some of the things you might expect over the next four years. Let, let's begin with the outgoing president. Uh, we saw the uh, actions that he's taken over recent days regarding pardons, commutations, etc. Do you know if there was ever serious discussion about uh, a complete uh, pardon or commutation of the restrictions that still remain on Jonathan Pollard? Well, certainly it was raised uh, with them many times uh, for him, Rubashkin, other cases, and uh, there's still an expectation that we'll find out the announcement of uh, hundreds of names that he pardoned late yesterday. Uh, we don't know yet who's on the list and who's not, but we don't anticipate much anymore. It's very disappointing, uh, but so I can say that it certainly was discussed with them. I, I don't know what the internal machinations were. And it, it would be highly unlikely at this point, as you just said, that those two names that you mentioned would be on the list. Is there any possibility, or, or do you know of anything that might be happening behind the scenes, that the reverse might happen, and an incoming president in his first few hours would go ahead and grant some type of clemency or pardon to them or others? That would be unusual, uh, and I don't know how the incoming president will feel about um, 
about uh, Jonathan or any of the other cases, but I certainly hope that in the course of his term, and especially as we get to the occasions when normally pardons are issued, that uh, they will be considered. There's a committee, uh, that's one way of putting it, a group of people that are here from different cities around uh, Judea and Samaria uh, in Israel, including the mayor of Malay Dumim, who are attending today's ceremony in Washington. They'll be at the inauguration of President Trump. And uh, they are here, it seems, at least the way it's being uh, painted in the media, uh, to ask for or lobby for annexation of cities like Malay Adumim. Um, doesn't this seem like a fruitless pursuit? Because in reality, the only ones that could possibly control this agenda are the government of the state of Israel? They are the primary party in this case. Uh, I don't know whether it's just to show the flag or they, they really seriously uh, consider that uh, this will make a difference. The fact is that, that people certainly today are focused on other things. I think members of Congress, others, uh, would not consider this the, the you know the first priority of the new administration. We'll have to see what the president, uh, once he's in office, if he lives up to his you know stated uh, intention of undoing a lot of the actions taken by the president over the last few weeks, and we don't even know many of them. Uh, also, this is a, a process; it's not an instant decision that can be made about recognition. Um, certainly not by the United States. They cannot give the recognition even if they support it. And my feeling always is that you've got to give an administration time to find their footing to get their people approved. So the cabinet hasn't been uh, uh, approved. The appointed, I think, the last cabinet position only last night, uh, the Secretary of Agriculture. And it takes, a, 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 you know, the first 100 days are, are usually an adjustment period. People have to, to get along. We have to see what the style will be. Will he be... Uh, like Obama, uh, an aggregator of power into the White House will be a delegator like George Bush II. Will he uh, find some new model uh, where he will continue to tweet and, and formulate policy that way? Or will he engage in an intensive process, which he says he will and says that he has lined up uh, the highest, I think, IQ group, he said, uh, of advisors? Every president has his own style, and, you, and sometimes forcing issues at too early a stage can be counterproductive. Yeah, so the big question, of course, then, as I started with, is is what your impressions are, but I guess that's really your answer. You have to see how things go at the beginning and start to evaluate, you know, from that point forward, uh, the type of presidency he's going to have. In, in, in some ways, an incoming president wants to make an immediate mark. You mentioned some of the, you know, actions he plans on taking in the first few days executive orders that he's spoken about, et cetera, issues like immigration, Obamacare, et cetera. And at the same time, I would think even the president himself and his staff would would know that they have to give it a little bit of time and you know learn the landscape in Washington. Although, I don't know, with this president, it doesn't, it, sometimes it feels like he, he might feel he knows better than some of the other people that have been in Washington for so many years. And I, I don't know, I don't know if, uh, you know, an adjustment period might even be necessary in his own mind, frankly. Whether in his mind it's necessary, the fact is that these are complex issues. I, I just came back from, you know, say from the Persian Gulf, and, uh, you know, when you go out into the region and you see firsthand, uh, you know, the, the seriousness of the issues, uh, you're reminded about how difficult, how, how great the challenges are and the great opportunities that he has. 
I think rushing into them is is not the best way, and he has thoughtful people around him who will temper, I think, some of the direction. I hope his enthusiasm and his uh, willingness to stand up and to be tough is something that they, the countries around the world are looking for. They want to see America lead the West, especially against Iran and, and against uh, other enemies of, of common enemies. These are, are, are really hard and difficult issues, and you have to build up the capacity to do it. You have to have a coherent process of information flow and, and decision-making. That takes time. This president is not getting a honeymoon. He's going to go right into challenges. I think you have a Republican Congress that wants to make marks also and, and has a heavy agenda from what they've told me. So people, you know, I, I, you, if you raise expectations falsely, people will be disappointed, but they have to be realistic. And that's true of any administration. Um, there'll be there'll be tremendous... Rep- I mean, the truth is, if you think about it, I, I, I would assume the same thing happened when President Obama was inaugurated, just a little bit of a different crowd, maybe we should say, uh, but there will be tremendous representation of our community nationwide at the inauguration today, correct? I believe so. You know, there are special Shabbos programs. It's uh, it's unfortunate it's on a Friday, and the Shabbos, which eliminated, I think, some uh, many people from, from going who wanted to go. Those who really want to go, I'm sure, worked it out. They have uh, programs, I think several, in fact, with uh, different meals and minyanim, uh, that people can attend, but uh, I think the, the, if you look at the ca- at the government, not just at the cabinet, but other positions, we're seeing some very interesting appointments. Which I guess we'll you know we'll all get to see uh, uh, in the coming days. Um, but yeah, man, uh, they are uh, from those that I know. There are some very interesting appointments. Uh, he also, uh, President-elect, uh, who's going to be president in just over four hours, he, he speaks about the Middle East peace deal being the toughest peace deal, and that if his son-in-law cannot negotiate that peace deal, nobody can. Uh, I guess he, he feels his son-in-law is a, <clears throat> an expert negotiator and a great deal-maker like himself. Um, many people in our community start to get wary and start to fear when presidents, even Republican presidents, you know, start to talk about peace deals and the inevitability of trying to pursue one. Um, yet, I guess on the other side of the issue, there is such a thing as we've seen with certain countries as an effective security-laden peace deal that Israel can make. So when you hear that this incoming White House is, is so anxious to make a deal and to take it on as the toughest challenge, you know, anywhere on the globe, what are your thoughts? Well, it is a very complex issue, and there will be pressure to follow up the Paris agenda. If you look what this new Secretary General of the United Nations, Guterres, laid out as his uh, priorities in terms of the Middle East, I mean, given all the other situations, I'd, I would like to have seen him come up with a somewhat different set of priorities. But his he, he talked about implementing the UN resolution, and, and there is a quarterly report that's required about settlements, and he said that he's going to appoint people, send UN personnel into the West Bank to monitor settlement construction and housing construction. He talked about uh, more aid to the UN from the uh, UA, UA from the UN to the PA, Palestinian Authority, uh, both from the international donors and from UN specialized agency. Despite all the waste, all the diversion, all the the, the knowledge they have now, and he should have about how corrupt it is and how. Um, money, 300 and some million dollars of budget going to terrorists and supporting those who kill Jews. 
Then he talked about uh, the the Paris conferences as a basis for a sustainable process, or two-state process. I mean, the whole agenda, the the P5 plus one, working on a on the Security Council resolution basis for two-state solution and a, and a framework uh, that they would develop. The world learns very little when it comes to this issue, and here the U S is presence. And the reason why this, whether it's Jared Kushner or somebody else, having the authority of the president and really a commitment to go behind it matters. And it matters when, when the countries don't know what to expect from this president. Fear is a major factor. It's a big issue. And, and, and now today, the situation in many areas, people have, have been so obsessed with the presidency, they don't look at what's happening, for instance, in Gaza, where Hamas and ISIS are cooperating uh, much more, where you see the uh, the number of demonstrations by the people against Hamas, but at the same time, Hamas now uh, serving as uh, as a conduit for ISIS and and uh, setting up an information base there, which enabled them to carry out more attacks in uh, in Egypt and resulting in more Egyptian soldiers um, uh, being killed. Hamas then put it, allowing ISIS to, to smuggle stuff through the tunnels under the border between Gaza and Sinai, and blatantly does so by putting a tax on the goods. I mean, it's, you know, people would laugh at it if, they, if it weren't so serious. So the issues there today are, are so complex that a peace process can be taken out of the context of all the dynamic. And I, and I think that, um, the president-elect uh, recognized this in some of his comments during the debates and and discussions. I hope that will hold true. And we also have to see what is the attitude. You've seen some of the statements by the uh, Secretary of State uh, designated. It's not been approved yet, and others. Right. We're going to have to see how they all meld together. <clears throat> uh, just since you mentioned it, um, the Hamas-ISIS alliance, we're, we're going to have to see, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to have to see more of an uh, of, of um, an active role on the part of certain Arab nations in the Middle East uh, in, in, order for, in order for this Hamas-ISIS alliance to be stopped, right? I mean, there's certain countries that who, who n- normally seem to sit these, these things out that they have to step up if they're going to quell this alliance. Well, it's, it was negotiated by the Russians, essentially, uh, certain uh, unofficial Russian mediation, at least, and... Um, they are one of the things they came up with is that they asked the Russians to convince the president not to move the embassy to Jerusalem. Uh, but we, we've seen this so many times in the past. It's it's not a real unity. It's it's a matter of convenience because you know they keep saying you need to have a united front if you're going to have negotiations. I think again, concern about the Trump administration moving in new directions in the U.S.-Israel relations is motivating them, and that the. Um, I wouldn't put too much stock in in the seriousness of the merger, especially knowing that Abbas, you know, is on his last legs, and they don't have elections, and they don't want elections. The uh, Hamas might because they think they might win. So take it with a grain of salt. So Egypt and Jordan and countries like that don't have to play a more active role. You're saying it's more, I don't know, symbolic, an internal dynamic. But Egypt has been acting, and certainly about in, in Gaza. Uh, and against uh, Hamas and, and trying to destroy tunnels, uh, acting in many ways uh, to try and contain it. The, the, the last thing they want is this uh, ISIS being given the support, and it makes them more and more angry at uh, at Hamas. 
and the uh, you know the question then is who who's going to provide uh, uh, funding to them? This is a source uh, of money uh, for for Hamas. Uh, having lost some of their international or other Arab support in in uh, the last months and, and years, so it's uh, yes they do have a role to play. Jordan not so much in Gaza, Egypt much more in Gaza, but Jordan certainly in terms of the situation in, uh, in the territories. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener sponsored digital radio. Around the world in the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on our beloved NSN app. Speaking to you from Greensboro, North Carolina, believe it or not, where we're looking forward to uh, heading to Charlotte and spending Shabbat with the Oppenheim family, Rabbi Oppenheim, and the amazing work that he's doing down in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Malcolm Holmline in New York, and uh, we're all, all, all of our eyes, it seems, around the world are on Washington, D.C., as we are hours away from President Trump, the inauguration of the brand new president. It'll be interesting to speak a week from now <laughs> to see what he, in fact, has done in the first week and to look back uh, a week from now at the uh, very first few days of his presidency. By the way, I, I mean, I know we always mention this, but the again, the White House press secretary, the incoming, I should say, White House press secretary has announced that there will be a um, a major announcement regarding the embassy soon. You, you've spoken about, uh, just in terms of logistics and calendar, that there's a move that likely that in many scenarios can't be made, you know, at least for a few months. But it looks like the, the new White House is is ready in the first few days to say something concrete about it. Yes, they can make a statement. They can talk about the intent. They can lay out a plan, um, and then they may actually do some symbolic thing right away in in terms of hanging a sign in Jerusalem. Uh, we'll have to see, as you know, the threats of of action and reaction. Uh, yeah. exists over and over again, and you can't dismiss it because it becomes a rallying point and a diversion. Uh, certainly the PA and, and Abbas have been threatening everybody everywhere about it. The uh, And I know there's a lot of fear in some of the Arab countries about it because this appeals to the street, and then they right away go to Al-Aqsa, which is the focus of their propaganda, that somehow Al-Aqsa will be seized, which, of course, we know it's not true, but most people don't know. They don't understand what what it really means. West Jerusalem was always part of Israel, is always going to be part of Israel. It's not a matter of dispute. I think East Jerusalem will also always be part of Israel. But we're talking about putting an embassy in, in an area which is declared, defined, designated by the international community as Israel. Um, this week there was, speaking of Israel, uh, this week an Israeli policeman was killed in a um, in a clash with uh, Bedouins as they were trying to um, um, uh, dismantle illegal uh, building that was going on uh, in the Negev area. Uh, could you give us an update on Bedouin activity in, in the southern part of Israel? Because it, it, it seems, I haven't heard a lot about it yet recently, but it seems now, uh, based on what I read after this story, that the that it's basically an uncontrollable situation at this point. Uh, it is a very difficult uh, situation because the Bedouin population is expanding and they take ter- land uh, without permits, build without permits, and you're, and you're talking about significant segments of the Negev. And Israel has tried to build uh, con- housing or more urban-oriented or suburban-oriented, uh, which take, you know, where people are more concentrated. Some of this has posed security threats. Some of it has opposed has imposed on areas where other construction was supposed to take place, where housing, for even for people taken out of uh, still out of uh, out of Gaza, 
so they impinge on the areas, and this was a, a move to, to demolish what was con- completely illegal construction, and um, the action of, of one of the people uh, was now defined or is being defined as an act of terror, that it was not just a simple reaction or, or uh, incident. The, uh, the and, and the radicalization of the Bedouin population, certainly on the other side, but it, uh, it, it's in both sides, it's um, it's a really serious concern, and the the um, the governments have neglected for very long the uh, these activities, the expansion. And when you look at a map of of the Negev, you see clearly the infringement and impingement. Uh, Bedouins should be given, granted their rights and and are, are native to the area, but you know they they often engage in illegal activities. They they cross border activities, and now the Wall that went up between Egypt and the Negev, um, Egypt and Israel, uh, certainly has impinged on their smuggling activities. I mean, this is this is a way, God forbid, to lose a significant portion of the land of Israel. I mean, I know you know that. I'm just saying that people need to know and and realize how severe this is. And and they shouldn't just buy some of the newspaper headlines. Read the stories, the investigation that's going on, and and what the situation. This is a long-standing. Uh, tension that's been growing and growing, and where Jewish populations uh, have felt the, uh, you know, we've seen crime rise, other things, and uh, it's not a population that has lent itself to the development, to to um, urbanization, and mm-hmm. to uh, integration in a more in a more comprehensive way, where they, but but becomes then a rest of population as well. I know you mentioned this before in passing when you were talking about the uh, the incoming administration's attitude toward the peace process, but what in fact happened in Paris? Was there anything of significance that took place last weekend? The most significant thing is what didn't take place, and if you remember uh, over the last the two weeks before, I said that I thought nothing will come of it, especially after the reaction to Kerry's speech uh, the, uh, and the debate about whether Kerry would go, and he announced that he would go before said that last Friday, but that I said there would not be any follow-up UN action, uh, not only because I got it in writing from the administration, I made them put it in writing that they wouldn't do so, right. uh, but but because I think the reaction uh, was so negative, and, and uh, this was pushed by the French, they're going to continue to push it, as I mentioned, Guterres' own references, but uh, by and large, it, it, it was born, it was still born, the foreign minister of Russia didn't go, the foreign minister of Britain, and they deserve the credit because they spiked it there, and they spiked it at the EU, which tried to adopt the uh, Kerry principles of the resolution, and the British uh, opposed it and, and didn't uh, wouldn't go along with it. Uh, I don't believe that the Kerry principles are dead. I still think that people will attempt to resurrect it, and the new administration will not uh, go that route, uh, but we will have to see knowing that the majority of the countries of the world will still press, quote, for the, 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 a two-state solution that they don't define, uh, continue to criticize Israel singularly, um, with all of the other uh, issues that that uh, abound. I mean, Iran's activities aggressive <laughs> all over, and you see it, as I said, in the Gulf, of how extensive what they're doing against Bahrain, what they're going to do, threatening the other countries, and um, the new missiles that they're and the new planes, everything that they're doing, in violation often of Security Council resolutions and nothing done. 
I was reading in, in detail what you had mentioned either last week or the week before, how they're using civilian airlines to literally ship equipment and fighters to Syria at this point. That's right, and, and, and 118 Airbuses and 100 Boeing planes supposedly to be sold to them. I don't believe it'll be consummated completely, or I think on the new administration it'll be more difficult, and especially if we get new banking um, sanctions in place. Uh, I don't believe that they can tear up the JCPOA. I'm not sure even it's the wise way, the most effective way right now. Right now I would like to see more sanctions that, again, affect their ability to finance uh, uh, terror. We know what the um, what they've been saying again and the, the aggressiveness of, of uh, their their uh, uh, comments, but their economy is in ruins. We can put a lot of pressure on them, and uh, you, you know that they say the foreign capital investment in the, the capital markets was up forty percent. But it depends on what basis. What the, they use as the base to say it's up forty percent. They don't say how much it's up. Just uh, uh, giving a, uh, a number, and they have a lot of internal problems. We know that the, the dissension amongst the people is growing all the time. And I think the the you know the threats to retaliate against the Iran Sanctions Act extension, they withdrew it because they're afraid of the new administration. That's the leverage. You got to show them that we mean it, and if it's tested, we got to prove it. We fired warning shots against the ship, and you know how long I I've advocated that you got to do it. They will do nothing if they see us react strongly, and they did nothing. And that's the way we've got to deal with them. That's another reason why the first week, as I said earlier, but in reality, in, in more in reality, as you said, the first hundred days are, are going to be so urgent when it comes to foreign policy, just to see if, in fact, the world looks at the United States as being much tougher. Again, we can compare, as we did a few weeks ago, the Carter-Reagan transition, and you know how different the perception of the United States was once he became president. It'll be interesting to watch over the next few days if there's a different attitude from you know, Middle Eastern countries, specifically Iran, when it comes to the Trump administration. And to see a coherent message from all the members of the administration, it has to be thoughtful. I don't want to see, you know, just wild actions or statements because you're going to be tested. But when I see how Rasvan Johnny, you know, who died recently, the former president, and and you see him lionized as a, as a moderate, as you see how the press continues the distortions, the lies. This is the guy responsible for the bombing in Argentina. This is the guy who killed our, our, our people and killed many Americans responsible for the murder of Americans. And now he's, he's lionized as some sort of, um, he was the, the speaker in the, in the eighties. He was the president in the nineties when many terrible things, uh, took place. And, and yet you see that, that the, the issues are hardly addressed, uh, regarding Iran, the, the story not told about what's really happening, nor what's happening in Europe, nor what's happening in, in, uh, in Syria today, um, I, I meant to bring it up last week. I think I had run out of time about his uh, about Rafsanjani's death, and I knew that the media reports would get under your skin because it's amazing how people. I mean, I, I wouldn't say they're calling him the Lion of Peace, but they certainly paint him as a uh, as a moderate. And I'm glad you remind everybody about the things he was responsible for, including major attacks in different parts of the world. Um, speaking of attacks, by the way, is it just that the media is picking up on these things now, or Maybe I'm noticing it more, you know, from Jewish media sources. But is is there in fact a tremendous spike in bomb threats in JCCs and schools across the United States? Yes, there have been two major incidents in the last month. One this week, again, where 17 Jewish community centers received phone calls. Uh, the last time, I think, was also a similar number uh, around the country. Thank God, none of these materialized. 
so it's not attacks, it's just uh, threats of attacks, but because of the number of incidents, it gets more attention. Uh, but this is unfortunate. There is a sh- an increase in the number of, of uh, threats on an ongoing basis, and we've had seen even an increase in the number of anti-Semitic incidents, including physical assaults. That should not be dismissed. It's the reason why we pressed so hard for all these years about uh, schools and schools and others uh, instituting security measures in thoughtful ways uh, and to organize and to, to uh, underscore the need for awareness, and, and especially as children come in and out of school, but also as people come to Dobbins, go to services uh, and, and, and events at the different institutions, we should not take it for granted. And, and they should liaison with the local police and go to the ScanUS, scnus.org website to get a lot of advice and resources that are available to, to them for free. And you say two major incidents, which means the most recent, you know, 17 calls, whatever the exact number is, is one major incident. I, I would think these days. Same thing before. Exact same thing before. Right. I would think these days with technology tracking, et cetera, that it would be relatively easy to, you know, to find out who's responsible for this. Am I, <laughs> am I disillusioned on this? Well, they're certainly tracing it, uh, uh, but, you know, people can disguise them because of technology. You have counter-technology, which also helps obscure uh, source people can call via many different ways. Uh, and it may be just one person who got a list, uh, you know, a phone list uh, or saw a published list online of the JCCs and decided, um, uh, you know, looked up Jewish, found Community Center, which is one of the first that you'll find, and, and mm-hmm. made the phone call. So, it doesn't mean that there is really this widespread conspiracy, but the events in Montana and other things have highlighted and made people more aware. And because of the general tensions in society, especially what we saw arise sometimes during the election and post-election, uh, we we cannot dismiss it. And frankly, the most important place to be concerned about is what's happening on campus, where we do have, uh, we've had so many physical assaults, and, and physical assaults, I mean, can take many forms, but, but certainly confrontations and, and manifestations of anti-Semitism and holding universities and everyone to account. And one day we should devote a show to talking about all the measures that we're doing. There are a lot of measures in before Congress uh, that will help address this, including the def- adopting the definition of anti-Semitism by the uh, Department of Education so that there will be a basis for more coherent action against universities that don't act. Yeah, and and I mean, I would think that security personnel and uh, uh, university administrations would be anxious to act and show that they're being proactive when it comes to these things. Are you are you are you suggesting that they would need some type of federal law or, or urging from Washington to to jump into action on these matters? I'm saying that many university administrations are reluctant, even and hesitant to act. Some have refused to act. Some have had to be forced to act. Uh, some have responded. Many of them uh, seem to be unaware. I, I had an instance where I was directly involved with one university president, and it was truly an act of I- 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 ignorance and, and innocence that he responded to an incident, and then once made aware, became very vigorous, which means that parents, alumni, donors have to be much more active, proactive in in uh, focusing on, on institutions. I know one who underwrote a major investment in a, in a university, and it wrote the president this week and said, I'm going to withdraw my money because of the actions I became aware of at a really prestigious university. 
and where they refused to allow um, pro-Israel speakers and uh, found discrimination, not by the university's imprimatur or backing, but uh, the test is what, what do they do once they find out? Yeah, exactly. That's why I thought that they would jump into action and try to quell these things. I didn't realize that so many of them are avoiding doing that. It's good many, that's and, and look at look at the University of California, all the institutions there, uh, and efforts to go to the administration. Our lawfare project has is pressing legislation. Uh, we've prosecuted some very important uh, cases, not necessarily going to legal prosecution, but threatening and having lawyers ready to act and enacting legislation with, where we do have success uh, in getting legislators to act against uh, and to establish rules. Uh, for for institutions of higher education that receive funding from from state governments, right? Um, how soon after today, after the inauguration, will Washington and or Jerusalem announce uh, the date for Prime Minister Netanyahu's visit to the U.S.? Well, I know they had some uh, trips. He's supposed to go to Australia and New Zealand. He was supposed to go to Davos this past week and did not go. I don't know how much the investigations will affect his travel schedule. Uh, but I, I think it could be uh, a visit in, in the near future. I think he, they all, everybody wants to be amongst the first because it sends an important message. But I think the, the exchanges between the president and the prime minister have sort of already put that marker down, and he has concerns about the, you know, this investigation. If it starts to fizzle, then I think he'll be much freer to come and. And if he goes to Australia, I guess it'll have to be March or April or something. Well, you were just in Israel. Are you getting, and I'm so curious about this, as you heard from my questioning last week, it, it, do you think it's starting to fizzle? I mean, is it something that, that's going to die out? I don't think it's going to die out. Uh, and again, it's hard for them now to, to ascribe it to political motives because the, the attorney general, somebody who's worked for Netanyahu, was certainly close to him. And uh, they, they, they are investigating more and more people. They summoned his son this week. Uh, I know other people who, who were summoned to, to, to call. There is a general sense amongst the populace that uh, they believe these charges or that some of the charges of truth doesn't make them criminal. They may be improper, but doesn't make them necessarily a basis for criminal action. So mm-hmm. people should be patient, not jump to conclusions. Uh, there is nobody who's breathing down Bibi's neck for, for an election because nobody is perceived as a, as a likely inheritor or successor. But at some point, you know, it, it, people get tired of it, and, and you can't have this constant shadow. Unfortunately, the Israeli press tends to be very scandal-driven and uh, exploits the situation. But uh, I, I don't think this investigation can be dismissed. Finally, Malcolm, and especially for those who may have tuned in late, I, I think it's so important to again make the point, maybe in, in more of a direct fashion, as we're even closer to the next president of the United States being inaugurated. Uh, there has been, and one has to uh, acknowledge it, there has been, especially in certain segments of the Jewish community, and I would say especially among a large portion of this audience, great enthusiasm for the incoming president, and many people worked on his campaign um, from the same segment of our community. And many people are there in Washington today to celebrate. And I think, and this is a point you made uh, earlier in this conversation, but it might be an appropriate way to wrap things up for this week, I think it is important to consider that um, it, that it, one who sets high expectations will likely only be disappointed and that we have to see 
and judge as the days go by over the next few weeks, um, you know, what type of president he's going to be and how he really is going to act vis-a-vis Israel. I think your tone has always been, and specifically since he was elected on November 8th, your tone has always been, let us be very cautious with our optimism and let us take a wait-and-see attitude. And I think that's a very important way to close out this conversation just hours before the new presidency. Well, I, I don't believe in wait and see. I want to see people be proactive. Uh, you are absolutely right about expectations because then, you know, we have to look at all of the issues, set priorities. We ourselves also, they have to do that. And then they have to decide what are the things that they're going to do. I mean, clearly for us, Iran is a priority. And, and uh, you know, what's going on in South America now, the revelations, things that I discussed here over recent weeks about what, what the Venezuela and vice president, et cetera, et cetera, what we see about the aggressiveness of Iran in the region, what the potential outcomes from Syria with Hezbollah's growth and what the, those dangers pose to Israel, certainly the internal situation. And, and people have to be realistic. It takes a long time till everybody settles into the job. So if you're going to expect in the first days things to happen, it, it, you're going to be disappointed, and it's on a fair expectation. I think people right. have reason to, to be uh, optimistic about the administration's uh, policies. I know people write me and call me about some of the ca- ca- the uh, comments by and the hearings about what uh, people said. You know, you're not going to get 100% uh, pe- people who are going to be 100% supportive of everything you want, but but you have to look at the overall uh, orientation and the, the president's statement is, as you said, through, throughout, and he has been consistent throughout about his position on Jerusalem, on support for Israel, and other things. And Mike Pence, the vice president, certainly a long history of support. So we have reason to be optimistic, but we have to be realistic, set priorities, determine what what uh, we want us to be done first. Uh, hopefully, Congress which is very uh, uh, aggressive right now, wants to be an activist Congress, create a record for the next two years. We should be supportive of them as well, work with them, and we'll be able to look back then and say that this was a a really important uh, turning point in many of the issues that we care about. Very important words to consider on a day like today. Uh, Thank you very, very much. Uh, It'll be interesting to speak a week from now and uh, talk about the early days of the Trump administration. Thank you, Malcolm. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll speak again next week. Malcolm Holmline is executive... Thank you, and a good Kodesh. Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update Fridays here at JM in the AM. Candle lighting at 441 in the New York area on this area of Shabbos Parsha Shmos. I want to thank ZK, who's been um, anchoring the entire broadcast um, since 6 a.m. this morning, he'll wrap things up between now and the 9 o'clock. And, of course, Naomi Nachman with a brand-new edition of Table for Two coming up between 9 and 10. ZK will give you the details on that uh, in the next few minutes. Um, at 10 o'clock, our Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos Music Mix, which today, as usual, uh, I am proud to say, has the uh, incredible newest innovation, the uh, Friday Live Lunch at 12 noon Eastern Time with Mark Zamek, which has proven to be a big, big hit. Kedem's presentation of the Arab Shabbos Music Mix goes all the way until candle lighting time, and we recommend that you utilize our network as your soundtrack for an Arab Shabbos. I'm down here in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, heading down to Charlotte. Uh, Rabbi Oppenheim and his family are going to be welcoming us um, as we um, get set to spend Shabbat with them. And I want to thank uh, Avrami, who's going to be hosting Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night. I want to thank uh, Matis for JM Sunday. This coming Sunday, beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. I want to thank Matis and Mayor Weingarten sitting in Monday and Tuesday. 
and I am planning on being back for both bonus JM and uh, before JM and the AM and JM and the AM itself on Wednesday morning, please God, uh, during this yeshiva break week. And hope everybody, as you travel around over the next few days, those of you who have yeshiva break, I hope you continue to utilize our NSN app so that you can be in touch with everything that's going on and enjoy some great music and wonderful entertainment and conversation. I do remind everybody that a week from tomorrow, a week from tomorrow night, we record the Kosher Halftime Show from uh, the Courtside Grill in Cedarhurst. Uh, Aryeh Kunstler has been announced as the star of this year's 2017 Kosher Halftime Show. We are looking forward to that big night on the 28th of January. And then, of course, the big night of February the 5th when we make the Kosher Halftime Show available to everybody around the world. That is going to be uh, yet another amazing production, another fun way um, to commemorate uh, the big Sunday here in the United States and for those who follow it around the world. Uh, Rabbi Yudin is coming up next and um, plenty more on a Friday if you keep it at the Nahum Siegel Network all through the day. And I thank those who are commenting on the NSN app and utilizing the app to let us know where you are what you want to hear, and your comments about this show and all of our shows. This time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Shmos. We start the second book of the Torah. And the second book of the Torah is the book of our deliverance. The first part of the book deals with Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. The second part of the book is the revelation at Sinai to several million Jews. And the third part is the building of a sanctuary for God. You'll note that all three are Lamala Minateva, supernatural in nature. You have to ask yourself, if there are no mitzvos among the 613 within Pasha Shmos, so what's the purpose of our reading every year? We know this story. So clearly, one level of understanding for reading the Pasha is for us to learn lessons. And so I'd like to point out a theme which is found within the this parsha, next week's parsha, and literally at the very bedrock of our becoming a people, and that is the concept of a koras hatov, of a person being appreciative and recognizing that which is done on his behalf and the significance thereof. And so, let's start with the very beginning of the parsha. The Torah tells us, Could you imagine a new king in Egypt? Who did not know Joseph. Impossible. How could an American president not know George Washington, Abraham Lincoln? How could he not know, come on, 
on Joseph, who made such incredible reforms for the entire land, who saved the economy, saved the people. And so what's the answer? Rashi says, well, he, to use that Yiddish word, made himself mishvisendik. It's very easy to say. He made believe. After all, he rationalized. We already did enough for the Jewish people. We gave them Goshen, and we gave them jobs, and we hosted them when they had to leave the land of Canaan. We don't owe them anything. That's the idea. Paro was a kofui tov. What does that mean? Paro was an ingrate. Ah, once you are an ingrate, say our rabbis, ingrate man to man. So the rabbis tell us, kolakofer bitovaso shelchavero, whoever is not appreciative and denies the good that's done to him by another human being, basof in the end, kofer tovaso shelmakom. In the end, he, she, unfortunately comes to deny and to dismiss the good which is done to that person by God himself. And therefore, a person has to be a makir tov. Interestingly, explains the Sefer Achinuch in Mitzvah 33, which is the fifth commandment to honor one's parents. Come on, why should I honor my parents? Did I ask to be born? And his answer is very sharp, that namely... Look what your parents have done for you. And especially when you were in a position when you couldn't feed yourself and dress yourself and take care of yourself, they gave you literally life. And therefore... You are to be makir tov. When children become parents themselves, then they really realize, oh my goodness, look what my parents did for me. But now, says the chinuch, as a result of my capital A, appreciation and gratitude for my parents, then I'm able to take this and transfer this when you have literally inculcated this kind of appreciation within your soul, it will come and stem from this to recognize to recognize what God has done for me and for everybody else starting from the very beginning of history the concept being that man is to be a makir tov and it's for this reason that the Talmud says in Bavakama Tzadi Beis Amid Beis 92b, you go to a wedding, and Chamra Lamare, the the wine that's being served has been paid for and belongs to the host. But yet the Tivusa Lishakra, you say thank you to the waiter. Why are you saying thank you to the waiter? The waiter, it's not his, and he's being paid, so he's doing his job to pour the wine for you. But the answer is no. You have to train yourself to be a makir tov, to be someone who shows appreciation. And look at Paro. Ashelayodas Yosef. It starts that, come on, he did not know Yosef. And what do we find in chapter 5 of um, this parsha when Moshe comes to Paro? What does Paro say in chapter 5, Pusuk 2? Mi Hashem, Who is God that I should listen to him? The Shalach is Yisrael to send the Jewish people. Lo Yodatias Hashem. It starts Ashelayodas Yosef and it goes forth to Lo Yodatias 
Hasi as Hashem. He doesn't know God. Now this, unfortunately, how did we even begin? Why did we have to be in Egypt? which is the Kur HaBarzel. Kur HaBarzel is a term that's used in Parshas Eschanan, describing what the Egyptian servitude was. It was that furnace which clearly uh, burnt away all of the impurities from the metal, and in here all the negative characteristics of our peoplehood. Look carefully. On the first day that Moshe goes out to his people, we're told in chapter 2, he sees an Egyptian beating up a Jew. Moshe looks this way and that way. Literally means, is anybody watching? And there was no one that was watching, meaning no, quote, outsider. What does Moshe do? And Moshe, come on, kills the Egyptian, and he buries him in the sand. On the next day, when he breaks up a fight between two Jews, what does Dustin and Aviram say to Moshe? wait a minute, who made you the boss around here, okay? Are you going to kill me like you, quote, killed the Egyptian? So, Moshe says, Now I see the matter is known. What do you mean the matter is known? There was no one there except the Jewish people, but ouch, it was one of our own that informed on Moshe. And Moshe says, Now I know why the Jewish people have to be in servitude, because they need to be cleansed of their quote-unquote negative characteristics. It's so important for a person to be makir tov. What does it mean? It's hard for a person to say thank you. You want to know why? Because when I say thank you, I am saying, you know something? I really couldn't have done it by myself without you. And people don't want to be beholden to the next one. And therefore we rationalize, sure you did me a favor. You were going there anyway, so it wasn't much that you took me out of your way. And after all, you owed me one. I can come up with all kinds of, you know, uh, rationalizations why I shouldn't have to say, quote, unquote, thank you to you. Now, Rav Hutna, points out that the term modim that we say in the Shemona Esrei modim anach now what does it mean that we simply are saying thank you, yeah, we're saying thank you that we are your people but more significant he notes that modim means I acknowledge I admit, what am I admitting I'm admitting that I need you God and that is so basic and fundamental. Note, when a person has a Danish, right, or any of the Zion Minim, wine, of the seven species, as the Torah indicates in the fifth book, chapter 8, verse 8, he makes the bracha, which is bracha achas mein shalosh, the bracha we know as alamichya. If you have a drink, a fruit, fish, meat, what do you say? Thank you, God, for creating multitude of souls, and their deficiencies. We thank God that we are deficient. Why? Because as a result of our being deficient, we recognize that we, capital H, need Him. 
Ah, and this brings us lachios behem nefesh kolchai. This brings us to. Um, Sustain us. Bless you, God, in this world for giving us the drink and the sustenance in this world. But as a result of our acknowledging Him, we get Olamim, the next world as well. Man needs to be a makir tov. And that's why we have the mitzvos of Bikurim, bringing the first fruits. And when a Jew brought his first fruits to the base of Migdash, he said, Thank you, Hashem. Thank you for bringing me to this land. Thank you for giving me the fruits. The Birkas Amazon. Hashem needs our thank you. He doesn't need the thank you. We need the thank you. So we thank Hashem. And once we thank Hashem in the first bracha for the food, we thank Him in the second bracha for the land of Israel. We thank Him in the third bracha for the government, for the kingship of Israel. And we thank Him in the fourth bracha for sustaining us in the exile. Note in the first bracha, Bracha points out Rabbi Cheskel Sarna Seichet Sadik Levracha so sharp. You say in the first blessing Hazan Es Haolam, literally God who sustained the world. Bechain Bechesed Varachamim with chayim, which is with charm. What does it mean that God sustains the world with charm? A girl has charm, but the answer is no. Our food is all different colors. Look at the color of the orange. Look at the color of the peppers. Look at the color of watermelon. Amazing. He could have nourished us in black and white, but in, the salad is so not only new, healthful for you, but it's also very pleasant to look at. Chayim. Finally, you should know that we are to be makir tov, appreciative to the United States of America. Reb Shmuel Birnbaum, Levracha, the head of the Mir Yeshiva, every year at the dinner of the Mir would get up and thank the United States of America, which he called the Medina of Chesed, the Medina of Kindness, coming from Poland, knowing what happened to the Jews in Europe, knowing history, that they were where do you find over 200 years where the Jewish people are unmolested and free to do what they want, to study Torah, to have yeshivos, mikvaos, and we can raise our children with Jewish pride. Of course Israel is home. We should be makir tov to the United States. And therefore, on this day, when there is transition of government within our United States in a peaceful way, we wish the incoming administration hatzlacha, having mispalel b'shlomo we are mispalel for the success of this administration that he should continue our efforts of l'sakein olam b'malchus shakai to make this world a better place, literally identifying with and reflecting the ways of God. Shabbat shalom to all.
Hi, Ben David. Yom HaShabbos here on this Friday morning JM in the AM. It is, uh, yes, Erev Shabbos, Parsha Shemos. And um, candle lighting is at 4.41. Rosh Chodesh benching is tomorrow. And, uh, yes, thanks to Nachum uh, for doing the weekly update. Thank you, uh, Malcolm Homeline, of course. And uh, Nachum will be back at JMNAM, here at JMNAM on Wednesday morning, Emeritus Hashem. Monday morning, you're going to hear uh, Matis filling in and Mayor Warrengarten on Tuesday. Treat them well. Uh, Executive Assistant Rami will be doing the um, Saturday Night Seagull. Don't forget about that. Saturday Night Seagull with the Executive Assistant Rami. And, of course, uh, Matis with JM Sunday at 7 a.m. JM Sunday here on NSN. Um, okay, we are uh, going to continue with more great Jewish music in a moment. It's ZK Zalmakopal, by the way, here uh, engineering things uh, for the remainder of the show. And uh, coming up after this program, it's uh, Table for Two with Naomi Nachman. And she's going to be featuring um, Snaps Kosher from uh, Lakewood, New Jersey, and Aroma Song Soul Company representatives from there are going to be the in studio as well. That's going to be at 9 a.m. here on NSN. You could also watch the video. The video will be up on our homepage. And uh, that's going to be up at NachumSiegel.com starting at 9 o'clock. Following that will be our Erev Shabbos music mix brought to you by our friends at Kedem. And then at 12 noon Eastern time, we will um, Mark Zamek, our music producer, will feature... The Erev Shabbat Live Lunch. So, uh, yeah, you don't want to miss that at 12 noon Eastern Time here on NSN. Okay, we are going to uh, go to Shalshelish Jr. right now. Uh, thanks to all those who are commenting on our app. A lot of great comments this morning. And I thank you all. If you want to reach me here personally in our studio, it's zk at nachumsegel.com. That's zk at nachumsegel.com. You can uh, hear me every Tuesday here on NSN. I host a Tuesday live lunch between 11 and 1 Eastern Time. That's every Tuesday. And, yeah, I urge everybody to uh, yeah take a listen. We feature lots of great Jewish music and uh Feature a lot of great shout-outs as well. So, uh, yeah, every Tuesday here on NSN, Tuesday Live Lunch. Okay, uh, Shalshalis Jr., I think they're ready to go. Here they are.
Kunstler, Ose Shalom for you here on this Friday morning, Jame Name, and as Nachum has been mentioning uh, numerous times that, uh, yeah, he will, he will be the guy that who's going to be uh, performing for us uh, this year at the Kosher Halftime Show, and we're going to be recording that next week in the Five Towns at the uh, Courtside, the Steakhouse, next Matzah Shabbos. Um, yeah, if you want to be there, um, definitely email... Uh, um, Yoni at NachumSiegel.com I'm sure he'll be able to help you with that <laughs> Yoni at NachumSiegel.com and um, that's next week Aria Kunzler and of course we're going to feature that the following week for the uh, halftime show the kosher halftime show here on NSN so uh, there you have it um, we're going to get to uh, our journeys uh, time to say Shabbos in just a moment I want to remind you, a table for two video it is going to be up uh, momentarily, and uh, it will be on here on NSN as well, on the uh, on the live stream. It's going to feature uh, Yossi Weiss from uh, Snaps Kosher, with some great, great food. I can show you that, and I know Yossi's tuned in. Good morning, Yossi. Good to hear from you. Uh, also... Uh, Aroma Salt, uh, Aroma Song Salt Company is going to be there. Uh, Donnie Weinstock and Sam Noonstein will be there in studio as well. So that's happening at at uh, 9 a.m. here on NSN. Time to say good shot. This is Journeys on the radio. ZK's Amakopel closing out the week here.
And as Nachum Music says, In Israel, we are with you. You are two, two Americans most listened to Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Hurdles are sponsored on the uh, NSN network here, and of course on the NSN app. I thank everybody for tuning in to this Friday morning's JM in the AM. Naomi Nachman coming up next with Table for Two on audio and video form. Video can be seen on our homepage right now at uh, MalcolmSiegel.com. Executive Assistant uh, Rummy with Sunday Siegel tomorrow. Don't forget, to, uh, we got the Air Shabbos music mix of Mark Zomek first after Table for Two and the, uh, 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 the excuse me, the uh, Air Shabbat live lunch with Mark Zomek coming up. As well at 12 noon Eastern Time, Executive System Rabbi Saturday Night Single Monday. Matis will be sitting in for Nachum. Of course, he'll be doing JM Sunday. May Warren in for Nachum on Tuesday. Nachum back on Wednesday. And until Tuesday, when I do the Tuesday Live Lunch, it's DK Zaman Kopel wishing everybody a good Shabbos.